great. All right, I don't want to offend it's, you or anything and get no, I'm not, misrepresent I'm you. I'm not easily offended. You, you picked the right <laughs> podcast, my friend. <laughs> I'd rather condone or uh, abide by this fucking recording session happening in my fucking kitchen. Psychedelic space beef band. God damn it. She's hungry for Mongolia barbecue and dick. Basically, what's going to happen is every week we're going to offer to suck Mark and Turn for words. Steve, do you realize how bad of an idea this was? This is an idiot show. This is our episode. Yeah, exactly. How backstreet boys. Like, what are you doing? Do you know what you're doing? Shit, we got a beaver over here. Like, as a friend. As a friend. Come on, guys. An incredibly poor decision and literally betrays everything that the beef such is about. All right, Steve, hit us. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Lost Beat 6 show number 22. We got Ryan. He's back. Ryan Pressman. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us again on the Lost Beat 6 podcast. Uh, introduction by Punish Steve. Can't thank you enough, Steve. Uh, we've got Rich Vreeland on today, composer for media, visual media like films, video games. You may know him from It Follows and games like Fez, Hyper Light Drifter. He usually puts out music under the name Disasterpiece. And here we are, Rich. Thank you for coming down. Hey, hey. We've also got Bobby, sound designer from Obsidian Vidger Game Development Company. Hey. He's worked on games such as South Park, The Stick of Truth. That's... Almost true. He's worked on. <laughs> he's worked on. He's working on Knack Two. Yeah. Uh, game of the year, ten out of ten. Game, right two. game of the year. Game and Watch sixty four. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you got All that, and you got me, Ryan. I compose for a bunch of crap you never heard of. And <laughs> now wow. we're here to talk to. We're here to talk to Rich about his illustrious career, and let's get to it, shall we? Sure. So, Rich, um, <laughs> tell us a little about what it was like growing up. What are your influences? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, Fuck no. you. Let me reference the notes. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I did a little bit of ba- I did a little bit of background research. I've listened to some of your like talks you've done at conventions uh-huh. and things and podcasts yeah. you've done. So. Like you said, mentioned a while back that you went on a sabbatical. Is that something you actually did? And uh, it didn't really happen. There was an intention for it to happen, ah. and then uh, projects and life and things kind of sure. kind of got in the way of that. But it's you know it's still an intention. It's still something I want to do at some point. Do you know what you want to accomplish with that? With the sabbatical? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I felt like for a while that I've been uh, I haven't really had a chance to like take a step back and like maybe spend more time just not working and reassess what I'm doing and maybe I'll come out the other side like with a better I don't know with a new perspective or a better perspective about it because I I feel like I feel like I don't know there's only so much that I can do like learn and grow with if I'm doing it always like on the job Mm -hmm. if that makes sense and has it just been like a constant just stream of work happening yeah I haven't you can get that chance for like an extended time away from it to really recollect yourself yeah, I haven't I haven't taken more than like a couple weeks off in like over a decade, so. Oh wow. Um I think it would be helpful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it would be beneficial. I think you need sure. to learn how to beef it. And we can help you with that. <laughs> I th- when you said beat, I thought you were going to say the Beatles. No, well, cuz they like they they were together for 10 years and they just they just never took a break. 
it might, you know, a part of it might just be like something that um, I tell myself that helps me carry on in general is that I, I, I like to have this kind of like goal ahead of me. And for me, the, a lot of times that goal is just sort of like freedom to make more decisions, make more choices. It's kind of like the, I don't know, like looking out and there's like a pasture or something like a certain amount of time uh, out ahead of me. So, and I think part of that is just because I've been on this, like my career has kind of taken on this, like kind of like, it almost feels like being on a ride because for me, I, I've been fortunate that, you know, for a while I was just, you know, trying to get by and, and working on whatever. And then I, I, I was fortunate enough to work on Fez, this game Fez, and that, that did really well. And then as soon as that came out, I mean, I, I didn't have to look for work anymore after that. And so I got this entirely new set of problems that I had to wrestle with that were good problems to have, but it became much more about like, you know, like retaking control of my life and my choices and, you know, picking picking the things that I wanted to do and picking the kind of stuff that I wanted to work on. And so it's been like an ongoing thing to get better at like, you know, making those kind of choices. And Is it more because you are in demand or because the competition is so um, tight? Um, I think it's, it, it's, it's probably more the former, although I tend to perpetuate it because I... Um, I think I feel a certain level of like, like wanting to stay, stay current and, okay. and just working and, and doing stuff because I, I guess there's, there's a small fear there that like, you know, if I, just because like, you know, things are going well for me, like if I rest on my laurels, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, maybe there's like yeah, a slight that's, fear that's, that I would suddenly wake up one day and yeah, that's like, a real fear, fear with like anybody in like any sort of entertainment industry, if like any sort <clears throat> of break is the chance to miss out on keeping your career moving forward, you know? So it's like, yeah, that, yeah, the, I, I totally get that fear. I hear it from a lot of, from a lot of different people, uh, stuff like that, where like they need to stay relevant, you know, and that, and to them, that means being constantly working just all the time, 24 seven, you know? Yeah. Like really I, I, I wonder for that. Yeah, exactly. Like I wonder, I wonder how much, if some of that is just a, is kind of a fallacy. Um, it, it is a little bit. It's not something that would just happen overnight, you know? Yeah. Like it's like if you if you make something that gets out there and people see it, like mm -hmm. people are going to be engaged with it for probably a, at least a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like one day you just wake up and suddenly everyone's forgotten who you are. <laughs> yeah, <I know> right. <laughs> it's kind of like a thing where like uh, I read about how some European country or maybe it was even like Netflix or something was doing like one year paternal and maternal leave. But like something about that like extended vacation time freaks people out because the, the idea of taking like a year's worth of time off might make them look like slackers and yeah. stuff like that. Like yeah. that idea of like this amount of freedom that you can have mm -hmm. might actually end up hurting you. Is like a really weird phenomenon. There's, there's a level of job security involved with some of those yeah. people that give out those those leaves of absences. Mm -hmm. I do think too. There's there's some sort of like there's some sort of relationship there where the more successful that you are, the, the longer you can probably mm -hmm. disappear for, and it won't really matter. Um, and at some point, you probably just cross some kind of threshold where you can pretty much disappear for as long as you want in your lifetime, and it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like if Radiohead decided to like disappear for like twenty years or something, and then they made an album, like that'd be the biggest album of that people year. People would yeah, be talking absolutely. about it. like it's not like who who's that? <laughs> yeah, don't call it a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> With Fez arguably having been your breakout project, yeah. Do you feel like you've ever been pigeonholed 
um, because of it. Because um, you yeah. mentioned in yeah, because you mentioned in past interviews, like you've been asked, like it follows, you've been asked to write Fez-like music mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, what I wanted to know, like where, where it's going, is how do you manage to avoid having your current work compared to your past work and maintain the ability to experiment, like you know, stay away from Cherry Pie Guy syndrome. What's Cherry Pie Guy syndrome? You ever see the documentary Cherry Pie Guy? No. You know the guy from Warrant who wrote "She's My Cherry Pie." No. He like went into in it's it's I wish it was fun it's not funny it's just like this guy like went into serious depression over like that song because he like hated it and he worked like put his heart and soul into the rest He's of that cherry album. Cherry Pie guy now. And he became known as Cherry Pie guy in the middle whole documentary and oh, he actually man. he actually uh, ended up it's probably not gonna get this extreme for you but he took his own life actually like that's terrible because Did he I mean, really yeah he had ongoing mental he had it's not funny Stephen this is a serious <laughs> issue <laughs> no, it's the aside saying I don't think this will happen to you <laughs> <laughs> uh, you brought no but he. He had a lot of other stuff going on. Like it, it was more than that. But like, a, how did a he big, do it? Cherry stems. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. He probably the pit a lot actually. of Manhattans. No, he. <laughs> god damn. <laughs> Laying into the cherry just, pie I, guy. I, I a, this is why he killed himself. Everyone. <laughs> this is why he did it. How did he kill himself? I, re- I, couldn't, I couldn't resist piling on after that yeah. oddly placed laugh. <laughs> I don't know how he did it. But yeah, basically, how do you like, because um, yeah. yeah, you've mentioned like on it follows sure. and stuff where it's kind of like, how do you how do you avoid that? And like, say, yo, like you can't avoid it. I mean, it's just a fact of life. Like people love to categorize and label things. And that's just that's just the way it is. But I mean, for me, like I, I just try to control what I can, which is often, you know, the things that I work on and, and the work that I create. And so. You know, I'm very, I try to be very intentional about those kind of things. And um, I also try to confront it too a little bit. Like, you know, there have been projects where I have been asked to generally, I would say generally speaking, if someone's like, oh, we want you to do what you did for this other thing, you know, like do, do it follows for this horror movie or something. I'd be like, no, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do that. I'd rather spend my time like, you know, jumping into some kind of new territory. But there have been projects where, you know, I, um, for instance, It Follows was a film um, where part of the temp score for the film was it was temped with music from Fez. And, um, you know, normally that would be something that I'd probably be a little like hesitant about. But I really wanted to work on a feature and uh, doing a genre film, doing doing a horror film. Um, these are all like new things for me. So, you know, I kind of just rolled with it. And just by like confronting it and and having to try to create new music that was referencing music that I wrote like years ago, it actually turned out to be really kind of interesting, almost like existential kind of weird process. And I think it actually helped me a little bit um, to kind of detach from it and not, not like personalize the music that I write so much. You know what I mean? Like try to distance myself from it more. Like it's just like a thing that I, I, I mean, I made it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like I need to have all these like, like the work for hire mentality driven. kind of thing. I don't know if I'd use that term specifically because I do like I do try to like keep keep rights and stuff oh, in good. certain That's ways, awesome. which leads work. into another question of mine. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. But I but I in general I just think for my own sanity it helps it helps me to like detach from what I do a little bit. Okay. And kind of accept the fact that once you create something and you put it out into the ether, it doesn't really belong to you anymore. It belongs to anybody who wants to engage with it so Mm -hmm. you know and that's been you know it's been it's it's been a constant thing for me with like you know I've turned down some pretty high profile projects um I've you know and then people will like like think that I worked on it or like you know because they're like you know maybe referencing my stuff or so I I, I'm doesn't one of them rhyme with manger stings yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I There's another one too that rhymes with. Um, I turn that one down too. It's okay. Meth, meth franding. What? Meth. Oh. Ooh. Wait. What? <laughs> Hello. Wait. 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 What? And the also. <laughs> what the and fuck? Also, really? Um, gotta make a good pun. <laughs> host, host and Zabel. I don't know that one. Holy oh, oh, shit! You were gonna do Psychonauts too? <laughs> 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 I could, never, I could never. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I could never. I could never. Ta- I could never take Peter McConnell's job. I could never do that. No, but I, yeah, I, I I turned down watching Stranger Things. If that makes you feel any better, that must have been just puts as, us in a similar similar. Uh, must have been that must have been a real hard, hardship on you. That was a terrible. At least everybody's like three been minutes. telling me to watch it. I'm like, I'll watch it later. I don't really watch. You know. Yeah. You know. I, I think I'll watch it eventually, but I'm not ready to watch it yet. I don't think. Yeah. Well, I th- I thought it was fantastic, so I would I liked recommend it. it. <laughs> I'm sure it, I like sure the original '80s uh, sure movies like that they were taking part of. You know, yeah, I'm sure I like it. Don't but it matches it to the Goonies. Not even. It's just weird for me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's kind of a, that's the novelty. I still like watching Cindy Lauper sing "Good Enough." You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, no, that, that actually interests me because some of those things, like, man, I see. Like you go on like game dev classifieds on Reddit, or you go on anywhere anybody's posting. I'm working on a game. You just see like composers like I don't do this because I have I like got dignity along the line, but I just see composers like throwing themselves at projects. So like, please let me do music for your game. Like I will do it. I'll do it for free. I'll do. Yeah. It. And they're like kind of like devaluing themselves in that way. And you're just like, no, I don't want to do that thing that like somebody would totally kill for. Like, what really like influences your decisions there? Yeah, yeah no, that's a really interesting point. I think uh, <clears throat> it's it's an it's a it's a wild it's a wild thing because you know, there's so much competition and there's so many people trying to do music for games. I think for me, I, uh, I, I just, I, I, it's important to me that I really enjoy what I'm doing because if I don't enjoy writing music, I'd rather do some kind of menial job than do that. Because to me, like doing something creative that's not fulfilling is like soul sucking. It's like the worst thing. So I think that's part of why I've kind of pushed myself in that direction. I mean, obviously I have a lot, like I'm really fortunate to be in the position that I am where I can turn down work. I can't, so just shoot those my way. Like, you know, I have, you, have my email, you have my email address. Pass things off. Here's some recommendations. Here's my card. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'll, I'll put you, I'll add you to the list of Your people that have motive said yeah, I was going to say, you probably, you probably get like emails all the time. No, but, um, yeah, um, but have they made you food? But no, I try, I do try to pass on work to people. Like I try to be thoughtful about it, though. I'm not just like, oh, some guy just asked me and I'm just going to give him a thing. You know, I try to be like, oh, I think this person, you know, try to be a little bit of a matchmaker. Yeah, absolutely. it's hard, though. Like I have I have some people that um, I, I've been trying to push for stuff like for years and, and for whatever reason, it just never works out. Mm-hmm. So don't, I don't know what that's about. Sometimes what happens, I think, is people, you know, they, they want a specific thing and then, you know, you try to give them something else and they're like, oh, they're good. But they're, oh, it's not. But it's not. You know, I ordered the peanut butter and you gave me the. You know the tuna salad or whatever. Have you ever tried to suggest tuna salad as a replacement for the peanut butter? Like assert, like no, you want this thing. No, that's what I mean. Unless oh, okay. You, unless you mean like literally tuna salad. No, but I. I mean, oh. <laughs> I mean like yes. Like I know there, this great composer. I mean, it's, it's tuna salad. There have been those situations <laughs> where like I've I've either acted as a liaison to get someone else a job or. Who originally wanted me, or um, you know, maybe I brought in someone to collaborate with me, and then I kind of let them take over. When and then that s- caused problems. Okay. When sometimes. are you starting your Hans Zimmer like academy for like? Writers? <laughs> when are you going on masterclass? <laughs> no. If no. there was video, you could see me. I'm just shaking my head. No. No, no, no. no, it's not for me. Although I've I know I've known many people who worked for Hans Zimmer, and he seems like a really nice guy. I yeah, I met I, an, I met a couple people, and they're actually they they. 
they think I think Denver said he wasn't a nice guy, but they work it. They 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 work their right. They work to the bone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah they weren't sure. too happy about that part. Well, I, and I think I think um, that whole organization is is built up to as an answer to kind of the film industry and how the film industry works. Yeah. And it's kind of like a, it's kind of a steaming pile of garbage, that I don't really want to be involved in. And if I can, av- <laughs> you know, like I what I said, agreed. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I like film, and I, 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 I like writing music for a film. It's I like it, but um, there's so much other stuff around it that yeah, like makes politics it, involved. And yeah, stuff like it makes that. it yeah. really difficult to to want to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of soul sucking in a certain way. Yeah, that actually that, that makes me curious about. Have you has anyone ever asked you about the differences of like working on a game versus working to like working to like Simpty and and like dealing with like film like actual? Yeah, for sure. You've, you've kind of like talked about that in the past, or have you? Yeah. Okay, then never mind. Yeah, I, Go look that up. I mean, if you're interested, <laughs> I can talk a little bit about it. No, uh, yeah, sure, of course. Yeah, I mean, film is it's you 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 know more about what you're getting into early on. I think you you figure out the sound, and then you know you you kind of know all the like you kind of you generally decide. If you're lucky and you're working with someone who you trust, you decide early on that this is the music that we need to write. Here are all the scenes. Here are all the beats. Blah blah blah, and then you do it. And you know, I mean, there are there are more steps. There's there, especially if you're doing like orchestra and stuff, it can, be, it can get pretty like complicated in that way. But the actual like intellectual challenges are maybe not as severe. In games, it's kind of like an it's the possibility space is so enormous that it can really kind of it can be pretty uh, challenging at times trying to like wrap your head around you know when when is the music when like what is the music gonna do and um how much do you want the music to to accomplish in this game you know you're just gonna do like simple stuff like you know you go to this place and it plays music or do you want to like go way into the weeds and have the music like constantly reacting and changing and interacting and you know just create this crazy like dynamic um, you know algorithmic yeah the way the way people want certain things all, like implemented can like completely drastically change the way all like kinds music of crazy is totally stuff. developed yeah um i just post i was posting this thing on twitter maybe like last week this game uh i don't know how to pronounce it near automata near automata yeah, yeah. there's this there, there's this technique that they created for that game basically there's like there's like the regular high fidelity soundtrack. Oh, is this playing. the blog that the audio director yeah, wrote yeah, about yeah, yeah. the uh, when it goes eight bit when you start doing the hacking sequences? I read that. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was really cool. It's read. so crazy. So basically, like they take there's like regular high high fidelity underscore, and then um, there's this like hacking mini game or something. And when you go into that, it like it kind of like gradually shifts into this eight um, bit mode, but none of that music or maybe some of it. But but they created this whole like like algorithm that basically analyzes the high fidelity music and and extracts all like the notes from the music and yeah then, it was like oh, around like 60 to 70 percent of the, like the actual music got like an 8-bit version but the other stuff that didn't they had to create some sort of weird algorithm where like they they bit crushed it they did like some a, a bunch yeah. of like dsp like filter passing that's what's it. especially weird about it is that they they took the time to do 70 percent of it yeah <laughs> yeah like freehand <laughs> And then they was like, well, we should create this really sophisticated, insane algorithm for the final 30%. Like, who does that? Yeah, this is probably, it was probably a, con- a, a time constraint. It was probably a time constraint thing, maybe. Or- yeah, I guess they must just be so, like, they must be quick and really brilliant. They're like, oh, well, yeah, we could just, I could just, you know, let's just sketch this up. No, yeah, no it's, problem. Yeah, it's, it's It'll a really, take me, like, a weekend. Yeah, it yeah. was a really cool read, though. And, like, he goes it's through, like, each thing. He shows different demos of, like, each, like... Uh, iteration of the process, you know, where it's like, oh, that that works. But we can do better. So we added this, but we can do better. And we added this, and it would and turned out really fucking cool. It's and it was attitude. like almost seamless. 
Yeah, you can't even really tell that it's not just like bespoke. Yeah. Eight bit music. Yeah. That somebody wrote. That's really cool. I gotta check that out. That's awesome. It's really interesting. How long are cues in video games? Sometimes cues don't even adhere to the dimension that you're thinking about. Yeah. That's what's. That's what makes it confusing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. Because it's like, would it be like a certain loop (laughs) that plays? Rich Freeman Masterclass. Like, Uh, like that's the traditional implementation of music in games is a loop. Okay. That's. A lot of games still employ that, but yeah, um, but a lot, a lot, a lot of, of games it, don't. Yeah, a lot. Of the, the new thing that's come around, and I mean, it's been happening for kind of a while. Is like the term that is usually like vertical or adaptive layering, where it's very stem based. Yeah, uh, that's very common in like AAA games. Yeah, it's usually some combination of um, vertical, which is like layering, mm-hmm. um, and and horizontal, which is like um, modules, like sections of music mm-hmm. that can branch out. Uh, on downbeats, okay. like so, there's like a clock that's listening, and then it will like adjust in, t- yeah, in real time. Yeah, sometimes like like an on-beat transition. Uh, yeah, those two are like kind of the, those are like the, those are like the main techniques that are really commonly used mm-hmm. in games. Because every time a character walks into a new town, the the set the score changes. And I'm always trying to like, oh, how do they do that? To like walk in, walk out, like there's a trigger or something. But it's but it feels seamless. You're saying right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, you should you should definitely you don't have to play it, but you should definitely check out like uh, the audio for Doom, the new game that came out, the okay. new Doom that came out in twenty sixteen. The implementation and the music for that stuff is pretty freaking awesome. Like yeah. it's it's dependent on like the intensity of combat. It's like the more the more you do like these glory kills of like these super visceral like melee attacks into them, like the score builds up more and more and it adds more layers of the actual song into there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you do those glory kills, it does like a music stinger in, in it. Okay. And I think even that is um, sort of conditioned for like how intense the combat is. Like it could be a bigger stinger depending on how intense the combat's going, but like it just builds up more and more. And I don't know, I feel like that's, that that game's gotten so many like accolades for its audio and mm-hmm. for good reason. So I would say like if you want a really good example of like all the different kinds of like techniques and like layering methods that they use, like Doom is a really good example for that. Okay. Yeah, you're showing me that before. That was really that was really cool. Yeah, the amount of work they put in for the intro level where they try to time the sh- the shotgun Jesus. to the Doom music was <laughs> that was intense, man. But it turned out ah. Uh, Pristine, pitch perfect. It was so cool. Bobby made the little Italian chef for your podcast, man. Little Italian chef kiss in the hand motion. It's like a big, it's like a big wild sandbox. Yeah, people are people are experimenting and doing all kinds of different interesting things with audio and games. Yeah, it's really fun. Something that's kind of like it, like something you did that was kind of it's not it's not the same, but similar with like layering of multiple kind of from multiple parts of the game was like the the glitch level kind of score like. Did you plan that, that they're all going to fit together, or did you just kind of like... No, we... These all kind of work. They had a room in the game, a secret room, that had all the tiles from all the different levels in in the game, all the different tile sets, and they're all kind of like flickering and revolving around you. And um, I just wanted to create a piece of music that kind of captured that vibe. So I knew it had to be glitchy. And then I also wanted it to be self-referential. So I kind of went through... I kind of went, you know, went through the other tracks that I written and figured out like how to you know, create like a patchwork track that was those two ideas. So basically glitch is like it's it's based on this other track sync. Yeah. It's kind of like the base the the framework for it. And then I'm just like throwing stems basically from like six or seven or eight other tracks and like f- figuring out ways to like make them all work harmonically and stuff. 
Nice. And yeah, then yeah. glitching the crap out of it. After. Yeah. <laughs> Turned out fucking awesome. That that's like sync and glitch are like my favorite songs from that oh, from that from that game. So yeah, nice. it turned out really well. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have we'll have fanboy minute a little bit later. But <laughs> we'll get into that where we gush for like, we'll like sixty that out. sixty seconds. Go, <laughs> just gush, go, guys. Um, yeah, that that's. I forgot where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, we actually you kind of do that in uh, in Mini Metro as well. Like everything has its own. Well, not not the glitch thing, the thing we we're talking about before with the kind of like procedurally generated, almost uh, not procedurally generated, like. Uh, yeah, like according to the what's going on in the the action of the game, it's kind of just like everything has its own yeah. unique. I like, guess it's a it's a kind of procedural generation. It's well, uh, yeah. it's uh, yeah. The the music in in Mini Metro is all um, there's there are no pre-recorded tracks or anything like that. It's all just based off of um, instruments that I built, usually sample by sample, and so those instruments are triggered um, based based frequently on game data. Or like um, predetermined sets of like rhythms or or pitches, harmonies and stuff like that. So basically, the system is like listening to the game and gathering information about you know how many lines you have, what kind of stations are on each line, how many passengers are on each or at each station, you know what kind of trains there are, how, you know how many pass how many passengers are in each train. Basically, like taking in all like all the game data, all the information that the game is spewing out, and like using it to try to create. Um, a, a musical soundscape that kind of does double duty. It's giving you um, important information, important sonic feedback about what's important for the player to, to be paying attention to. And then also, it's also giving you um, some of like the atmosphere and kind of the emotional under undertext. Um, you know, try to make the game a little bit less stressful, make it more meditative. Um, yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, I should just like start a mini metro game and have it playing in the microphone <laughs> the whole time, so people can kind of hear it happening. Over, <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like for me that game was kind of like uh, it was an excuse to like just program everything and to just take this concept, which is um, in game development called feature creep, which is just like you're trying to like finish something on time, but you keep having new ideas, yeah. and we have to stop stop coming up with new ideas and just focus. But I was using feature creep as like my creative process. It's like, oh, what have you done? What have you done that? And I just, you know, program stuff and keep trying stuff because it was such a complex system. And I was trying to find out like, I was trying to figure out like the most effective, like, like I really wanted it to be utilitarian, but also enjoyable. And so like trying to figure out how to accomplish both of, the, both of those things, it was like a lot of heavy, uh, heavy thinking <laughs> a lot of late night no taking and shit like that hmm. yeah. so big tip to the comp to aspiring composers and sound designers take notes unrelentingly yes thumbs yeah. up to notes <laughs> two stars would note yeah would, why would note the, again <laughs> while we're on the topic of getting different sounds and music and things to work together i mean you you do not only composition work you do sound design work as well have you done sound design for games that you've also composed for I have, yeah, Same. a couple times. All right, because that's because okay, I was, I was kind of going with that. Is um, as a composer and sound designer, there's also there's often a challenge in audio professions that uh, you know you have to kind of keep the frequencies from fighting each other and covering covering each other up. So um, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to do in an individual field, like just for music or just for sound yeah. design. Like, what do you what are what are some of the things you try to do to kind of keep the music from fighting with the sound effects? Like, does the hierarchy of sound kind of play into video games as well? And for sure, yeah, you know. I find it's easier 
to manage that when you do everything yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause you can make, you can make decisions unilaterally pretty easily. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, there's, I've generally, it's interesting. Um, I don't know. Um, diff, diff, different games, there have been different solutions to that. Um, there have been games where I've done like music and ambience and not sound effects. Mm-hmm. And the, the sound designer has chosen to do a very specific aesthetic thing. And I will choose to do something different and we'll, we'll basically explore different territory so that the sound effects and the music are just distinct from each other. I mean, and sometimes that's something that you want. You want those things to be kind of separated. Um, but then there are other times where you want everything to kind of feel like it's undistinguishable like the sound effects the music like everything is kind of like operating together um that was kind of what mini metro was about for sure so then it becomes it really becomes about thinking about hierarchy and like you know take like looking at from a macro scale and prioritizing everything like what's what's the most important information in any moment like what does the player need to know what does the player not need to know um you know, and you know, a, a listener can only really focus on a couple of things at a, at a time. Right. There's like a great, um, there's a great philosophy. I think it, I think it's Walter Murch's philosophy, the sound designer who did did a bunch of Lucas stuff. Um, and it, it's basically he talks about how um, we can only really perceive like three, two and a half things at once, like, like, like clearly. Um, and so like he, he uses this law, like when he, when he mixes films and stuff. Who's the, the, the apocalypse now guy, right? Yeah. Apocalypse okay. now. Yeah. yeah. So that he shows, and, and in explaining that he shows this like sequence from apocalypse now where there's like a bunch of stuff going on. There's like, you know, fighting, there's like helicopters and stuff. And he, he drops like, first he shows you like with all the sounds that you would expect, like all the sounds that are actually have, you know, like counterparts on the screen. He, shows you with all of those sounds and it's just kind of cacophonous and crazy. And then he kind of goes in and he like, he, he, he f- emphasizes the things that he thinks are important in every scene and he kind of takes out everything that's not important. And it suddenly feels more like much more focused and like mm-hmm. easy to follow. And you don't even really like what's, what's fascinating about it is you don't even really miss like the ambient, like, chatter or you know certain you know gunfire or whatever wow. because there's something so impactful happening yeah that you don't even notice the other stuff and mm-hmm. like there's only so much like space that you have to, to convey information you can't always just like pile on more and more and expect it to work <laughs> yeah yeah i mean um wow that's i gotta check that out is that like something we can just like link to or something or like yeah you should be able to find it i can try to find it it's, um, yeah yeah that's that guy was crazy Good. <laughs> Very Crazy talented. good. Very he's, thoughtful. He's Not a bad good. man. <laughs> he's okay in my book. <laughs> he's a very thoughtful yeah. sound designer. Yeah, you, you mentioned like kind of bringing like the ambient, you know, the ambient into your, you know, is kind of that ambiance is kind of in your wheelhouse and that's something you employ a lot. Um, you know, we've seen that in some of your games that you've worked on. Uh, do you, I'm personally, when it comes to composition and stuff, super ADD and I'm like man this shit is getting boring fast like how do you keep ambient like how do you make the ambient engaging are you talking about ambient music or ambient ambient music ambient music I think I have a similar problem actually I think I have a little bit of musical ADD because you know I I, there are a lot of times I'll hear a track or someone's music 
and it's extremely repetitive, but in a way that I find like really satisfying. And I'm like, oh, I wish I just had more discipline. Like I was just more willing to just make something that was like long and repetitive and wasn't always changing. I had to change all the time. I think it was just my own like maybe insecurity or something. But um, <clears throat> for me, I think with uh, with ambient stuff, you know, it's like, you know, it's simple music stuff, I guess, like introducing new elements or like, you know, new chords or creating variations. I guess it's, it's variation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's more, I don't know if there's something more specific than that, but. No, I wasn't looking for like a specific answer. It's just like, I'll be, they'll be like, write some ambient and I'll just like see this like grid staring at me. I'm just like, God, this looks so symmetrical. I hate it. Well, sometimes it's I don't even use the grid when I do ambient music. I just do everything rubato. Oh yeah. It's like more like painting that way. You just kind of, you know, you, you, you dial in a bunch of sounds that are like, maybe have really slow attacks or whatever, and you just don't even really think about tempo. You just kind of feel it out. And then you kind of get this, like, chron like chronological painting almost. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah, really cool. That's, I think that's, like, a good... That's like, a, that's, like, one way that you can kind of think about ambient that's not so rigid. Yeah, it sounds like... When you look, when you're looking at that grid and stuff, it starts. You start to see the system yep. of it in yep. the music. So, like getting out of that, like even just like closing your eyes, yeah, and just like I mean, like because if you just play like four bars of this chord, four bars of this chord, you're gonna have some very like kind of. It's 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 not gonna be the best ambient music. It's gonna be kind of predictable and right. Yeah, because the challenge lies. It's like okay, I want it to be ambient and like definitely taking a backseat to the action, but also. Yeah. You know, if it gets too interesting, I don't want it to overshadow the dialogue or the what's going on in, in, in the, 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 you know, in the, in the media. So, yeah, well, it depends on the balance. media, too. I mean, because I, yeah, I, uh, yeah I, in certain media, you know, because it's tied so, so closely sync wise, you know, you just have to get out of the way, you mm -hmm. know, with like a film or a cartoon or something. They're just moments where it's like, oh, they're talking. I need to. Yeah, can't do anything here. I can't gotta, do anything in this frequency back. range, really. Yeah. <laughs> and if I do something else there in a different frequency range you know i have to just i have to really like pay attention and be like is this is this not is this getting in the way or not you have to make like a you know like a judgment call yeah yeah no actually it was funny the last thing i worked on was like a little short and i had to write an ambient like not like it was really short like a little mm -hmm. 30 second cue for like a little discussion this guy was having and uh, it was like in a real time crunch and i just went i was looking at it i was like I was, and i was getting that like self awareness and i was mm. like you know fuck it and I, I i had the patch was on like a little like piano string swipes so it was like all these kind of tone things and i just went <laughs> i just went logic select all notes randomized pitch printed and i was just like there you go dog <laughs> it's ambient now <laughs> One of my prouder moments. Did but it just come out as noise? No, actually, no, no, no. It came out okay. It sounded like a, like a neat little like kind of piano like ambient thing. I know it worked, and there was like there was like some shitty sounding parts at the end, so I kind of fixed them myself. But okay, like, all right. <laughs> Sounds like you really lucked out there. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty lucky. That was like <laughs> neat. <laughs> but yeah, that was a little, a little fun story related to that. But atonal ambient. Yeah, I'm sorry. You mentioned your um, uh, like kind of just aside earlier how you try to manage your rights and your administration of your music. Yeah. I was kind of curious because I can go to disaster.pizza and I can get like, I can get all your music basically. Like it's all there. Most or almost all of it is there. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of, so, you know, just for people out there who are listening and trying to figure out how to structure their deals with game developers or director or producers or whatever, whoever they might be working with. Like how do you typically try to go and structure a deal where you can kind of 
maintain your music and your ownership and sell it and like do you license or like how does that work um if you don't mind talking yeah no 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 i like talking about it um it kind of depends really the the larger your client is like the bigger of a corporation you're dealing with the less likely it is that you'll get what you want because they just have boilerplate boilerplate agreements and they don't they don't really make exceptions so you know if you're doing work in tv for instance it's pretty much going to be a work for hire in my experience. I mean, in those cases, and and ultimately, I don't really care so much about owning the music. It's more just that I want to, I want to be, you know, I I want to, I want to be participating in the future of the music. Like if the music is going to be generating some kind of income or something, if whether it's soundtracks or, you know, um, royalties from, you know, uh, streaming or or performances or you know even sync licenses, which which really, it really depends on what the project is and stuff. Um, so, I mean, in those situations, it's kind of tough. You just try to get what you can, but you know, when you're dealing with smaller companies or individuals, you can, you can pretty much ask for whatever you want. You know, I, I try to, um, I like to do revenue share cause with games, especially because I, I, I feel like it's, it's like you're directly invested in the project, which is kind of cool. And, uh, so if the project does really well, you know, naturally, if you did the music or whatever, you contributed to the success of the project. And I feel like you, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like film where someone's coming in and generally and putting in like, you know, $20 million or something. Right. So, you know, it's nice to participate um, in those sorts of things. And um, it can be, if you work on a successful game, it can be, can be really, really nice. But if it's not successful, then, you know, you may not see anything. But uh, so what I do with that is like I usually would do like some kind of hybrid kind of thing where I like I would ask for something up front and then like use that as like an advance against a revenue share so that no matter what, you know, you get something. Sure. That's generally what I try to do and try to keep soundtrack rights if I can. Right. Um, do you work that in a way just in case you think the game is not very good? <laughs> I don't, Wait, that a way I, don't I don't work just, on games that I don't, I don't work on games that I, I know but if you, if, if, you, if I came in if you, I just heard that and I'm a game developer and I yeah. come up and you ask for uh, an advance yeah you, it's 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 I would assume that you don't think the game would sell very much mm -hmm. I'm telling devil's advocate right that here, may but. be but I don't really care that much okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's the spirit like if, I mean <laughs> I mean that's that would be someone's personal you know Right thing, insecurity or whatever, but uh, that hasn't really happened to me. Um, I guess it, I, I guess it's maybe maybe they don't always understand that that's what it is. It's just kind of like no, it's a security blanket. I, I, I yeah, it's I like it. oh, you know, um, you know, we'll do a flat rate basically. Mm -hmm. Like I think to most people, it's like a, it's it's a flat rate basically. Okay, but then the flat rate is counted against right a revenue share. So right. you know, once you, that's taken care of, right? Exactly. <laughs> I just had to think about that for a minute. Like, hey, man, you're only asking for so much. Like, <laughs> you want money up now? It's like, you must think it's not very good. Or da, da, da. Well, sometimes, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I I like to think that I'm at the point now where I can can just, like, work on stuff that I think is cool. Right. So it's it's very rare that I'm on something and I'm like, man, this is not very good. I don't really like this. Yeah. But it, that, that doesn't mean that it may not be, you know, it doesn't mean that it could be unsuccessful. You know, sometimes they're really great games that don't do very well financially. So right, yeah, it's always a possibility. I mean, I I did a game called The Floor Is Jelly that I really really liked. Yeah, that was rad. And it, I think it only sold like four thousand copies or something. <laughs> hmm, really? So, hmm. so Floor Is Jelly, go buy it. 
Go buy now. it. Go buy it now. Redeem give, it. Give, give, give Rich that, that jelly money. Sweet jelly money. Give him that sweet Flores jelly money. No, that was, that was, I'm surprised. That was a cool like mechanic where you like rotate the level and stuff. Yeah, and it's a nice little game. Around. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It kind of just, uh, we didn't do we didn't do a lot of marketing for it, and it kind of just, you know, it never got ported to anything. So I just kind of, you know. Man. All right, well. You know, I mean, that's that's the thing is it's that's it's part of the experience, you know. It's you you go you work on like crazy huge stuff. You work on some smaller stuff. It's just yeah. Not everything's gonna be like a freaking home run, you know. And I think that's what people need to realize is like, you know, it's it's about you know base hits to use baseball terminology. I mean, for me, it's just like you know work on work on what work on like. what you're interested in, and yeah, hopefully that, it'll yeah. How how close is the the community that you that you're engaged in like working wise like between developers and other composers or other uh, animators and um, designers? Yeah, and and developers is it pretty pretty close in? I, I know when it gets to AAA level, it's a little yeah, it's a little like uh, businessy. But is it pretty pretty low key? Yeah, the independent game community is pretty low key. It's pretty. It's getting pretty big now. I've kind of stepped out of that a little bit. Like I've kind of, I don't know, I've kind of focused more on my personal life the last like maybe year or two. But, um, you know, I still see a lot of the people that I've met in independent game space at conferences and stuff. And it's a pretty tight knit community. And it's, you know, it's multidisciplinary, which is really cool because a lot of the people in independent games are multidisciplinarians. You know, they yeah. do, they do lots of different things. Um, you know, there's someone like Derek Yu who made Spelunky, yeah. you know, who did all the artwork and the game design and he did some of the programming or like Alec Coloca who who um who does music and programming and game design yeah he did Aquaria and he worked on Night in the Woods and he's done a bunch of stuff so there's a lot of there's a lot of really talented people in independent games who are just kind of doing different stuff wait I got a, I got one more question yeah sure esports is that a real sport <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake! Oh yeah, Steve. I can't. They're owned by the Patriots and the Mets, dude. <laughs> They're the Overwatch teams owned by fucking Bob Kraft and. and Sha doesn't Shaq own a team? Uh, Rick Fox does. Uh, and, and and Cubans into it, I think. Cuban, yeah, Cuban. <laughs> is into it. Yeah, it's a sport. Is it really a sport? I mean, like, yeah, like you, people sit in physical and mental preparation. There are talks about it being a teamwork, but isn't being like an Olympic sport? Yeah, I heard about that one too. the The idea of having like teams sponsored that sort of stuff, I get it. But like, I tried watching a highlight or a commentary or a snippet of a game commenting. It was like a less. It was like the worst less play ever. We watching watching, wait, what watching, are you watching? Like, ESP, like an ESPN thing covering oh, less. Play oh, we're watching ESPN. That's why they don't know what the fuck they're Dude, talking about. What? Did you did you see Evo this year? No, that shit was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> go, go watch Evo Street Fighter Four uh, or Five tournament. Yeah. it's... Those are great. <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like how hot dog eating is a sport. Matt Stoney. Shout out to Matt Stoney, my, <laughs> my favorite hot dog eater. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't do well this year, I, but I still some, love him. Yeah, it's, some, it's, it's an e it's, yeah, I, hot dog eating is an e-sport too. Well, it's not, it's less athletic, but it's, you know, in, in a certain respect. Right, but it's still a sport. I mean, I, yeah, I guess the strategy. It comes down there's teamwork. Under Armour companies yeah. like sponsoring the work, the gear wear and stuff. It. it I, I mean, they, they, I'm, I'm I'm flushing this out basically. Yeah, but I I think the the analogy that I was making to the hot dog eating is that they have a very like regimented physical yeah preparation like workout right and esports yeah. people are the same way. But is yeah. it so mostly just, is it all focused on the wrist? 
No, no, no. <laughs> you <laughs> fucking come on, dude. <laughs> Steve, no, they have to be like you're trolling, dude. You're just there's trolling. entire strategy. Kind of there's communication. Kind of there's like, teamwork. There's there's that. They have to be prepared. They have to be like physically and mentally prepared. And like basketball alert. players don't throw a ball around willy nilly. They have like they set, set moves and stuff. They have there's coordination there. Do they? That you gotta you gotta practice like full time. That yeah, but it requires a, your entire uh, body. Well, let me ask he you says this. video element. What about podcasting? You think podcasting can be a sport? No. I think it can be a sport. Competitive podcasting? Competitive. Well, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a really good point because isn't like there's a there's a certain aspect where like there's a subjective concept to it. Because uh-huh. sports as it is, or as most mainstream sports, there's it's, it's cut dry objectives, right? With video games, um, there's certain ones that can be on the competitive level, mm-hmm. but they're not also... There's another, there's another like completely subjective side to it. There's storytelling. There's, there's yeah, but art a lot design. of the, the yeah, but most of the games that, that laid out like sports. Yeah, with, a, with hard, clear cut objectives. Yeah, yeah and okay. even if like most kills, a game most does have yeah, even if a game does have like a narrative element to it, when it comes to the esports sides, they cut to the thing that really where that side I mean, of it doesn't really matter. You have a game like Rocket League, which is basically soccer, it's right? Like virtual soccer with yeah. cars. Okay, I mean. I mean, shit, there are even freaking leagues that EA does for their Madden NFL games yeah, yeah, or their yeah. NBA Live games or whatever it is. Like, there's competitions on virtual, virtual yeah. actual sports. Okay. <laughs> it's, I, think, I, mean, I think a lot of it is there's, there's a stigma about, about eSports because, it's, because you're not, you know, you're not, not physical. actively using yeah. your, your limbs. You're not flailing your body around while you're doing it. Here's what we're going to do. It's Bobby, pull up the Daigo Perry. <laughs> yeah, pull up, pull, pull up the beast. Pull up the Daigo oh, Perry. Phone's off. And I understand I there's a giant screen that everybody would watch. Well, it's, if no, it's, not, that's it's not for, for you. Spectators. That, but, dude, that's we've not. been over this a million times. You're not, if it's we not haven't been over this have, at all. Have, we've never no, talked we did. about we, this. If you don't like it, you don't have to like it. It's just like, it's about, like, if you don't, but that doesn't mean to question the legitimacy of it. Well, maybe we should talk about what constitutes a sport because there is no, mm. I don't think there's any objective <laughs> classification of what a sport is or is not. It's totally subjective. As as Mark M I mean, says, Wikipedia is not. Gonna, as Mark M says, golf is not a fucking sport. <laughs> <laughs> you can say whatever. I mean, you can you can say whatever you want. Steve is just real life. Shout out to Mark M. Get on the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this all amounted to. You just wanted a shout out. Well, I, I want to no, I want to get this thing back on track if that's okay with everybody else. Or do you want to go more into sports? I don't no, know. I, just, depends. I don't, I don't care really. I just wanted to. Add, I did want to ask you about like a little bit about just like an aesthetic, aesthetic thing about your style and everything. Sure. Is about how most a lot of your games have been. Uh, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of the music you've done has been electronic and electronic based or like hybrid electronic acoustic kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, do you could you see yourself if let's say like. The circumstances are right, budget or, or, or creative, you know, license they gave you or whatever to do something more acoustic, more maybe even orchestral or something in the future? Yeah, I mean, I I, I would agree that I've done a lot of electronic stuff, but um, personally, I don't think of myself primarily as one thing or another. And I've um, I've done acoustic stuff before. Um, one of my first game soundtracks, Shoot Many Robots, was like a like a southern rock Mm-hmm. kind of soundtrack um and i'm actually doing an orchestral score right now Ooh. um i, I actually did an, an orchestral score a couple of years ago using all samples for a game called cannon brawl oh, and sure. it's like it's like orchestral marches mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of a weird it was a very weird thing for me to try um and I, I i didn't entirely like using samples to do something 
that generally, uh, well, just, I think it just, um, it's hard to get away with, with that. Like it, it, I just really wanted it to be, you know, real, real, real right. orchestra. So you've got some like real orchestral stuff coming up or? Yeah. I'm working on a film right now with the director of It Follows. Oh, right. We're working oh, nice. on a film noir and, uh, it has a, has an 80 minute orchestral score. Very nice. Wow. That's actually what I've been. It's pro- actually the reason that I haven't made it out here till now. Uh, oh yeah, you, you mentioned because I've been working on it for about a year. Yeah. Wow, that's wow. awesome. Well, yeah, I can't wait to hear that. That'll be pretty cool. All right, I have a question for the two sound designers in the room. Sup? Yo. Or possibly, uh, I guess, I guess com- composer question. It's more of a composer question. This okay, a, then not what's up. Shh. <laughs> this yeah. is no, but Bob, Bobby can Bobby can definitely pi- pipe in. I would love to hear it because I texted Bobby this question a month ago and he didn't respond. And it made me very sad because Bobby doesn't respond to my text because I sent him stupid shit. <laughs> I, 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 I don't remember this at all. I sent you a text. I was like, did you know that Earth, Wind, and Fire goes up by like ten clicks by the end of the song? <laughs> oh, I, oh yeah. Anything. I looked at that and was like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> September like it speeds up. <laughs> He's like, okay, yeah, no, my question. All right. <laughs> He does that a lot. He, <laughs> I, I, that I one, sh- that one in particular. Like he sent me that and was like, "Why, I why did you even, bo- why did you even bother to notice that?" <laughs> I shit post directly to Bobby's phone. <laughs> did you ever hear the Bypass recording? Reddit. Did you ever hear the recording of uh, uh, it's the beginning of a Van Halen concert and they start playing the backing track to jump and it's yes. at a wrong sampling rate. Yeah. And then <laughs> they just that. play through it and then and even like he's. Uh, I can't remember the guitar player's name, but he's like Eddie, Eddie Van, Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen, yeah. I don't, I don't like I don't like Van Halen. Anyway, he's like he he even like you know, his you're not solos. So, you're not so different, you and I. <laughs> but is Van Halen he a band? Solos, not really. He like bends. He's like bending all of his notes up like an extra oh, semitone God. or like quarter oh, wow. tone to get into that like mm-hmm. bad pitch. That's rough. We'll it's link to that too. Amazing. Yeah, that'll be great. I should post end. Big big question. Huge Whoa. question. Whoa. Million dollar question. Really? Should <laughs> in video games, should pause screens get their own unique music or do you just low pass the music that's already playing in the game? Oh you that's why, a- why did you bring up that other one? You asked me that question. Why'd you <laughs> why'd you not use question. that as example? Can someone explain that question to me, the lame so, in the room? <laughs> it's it's like a, it's become like a part of video game culture okay. where you pause the game and then there's like new music. And yeah. then you unpause the game and the music changes. Like on the pause screen? Yeah. Yeah. And so it has a certain it has a certain charm to it, I think. It, it's it, it's I think it's a lot more prevalent in like Japanese games. Okay. Especially mm-hmm. older games. I remember there's this game uh that did this that drove me nuts, um Okami. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a great game and has a really has like nice music in it, but but every time you like pause to use this like drawing thing, it like the music changes and it's mm-hmm. just like the same <laughs> song. And you're yeah. going into it like over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess it depends how often you're pausing. Does it depend on the song, maybe? And depends on the song. Because if it's a good song, you want to keep pausing for it. Hey, what's the problem? Well, that's weird, though. <laughs> this song, this game is good, but oh, the look, I pause go- music is even better than the game. So I'm going to... Yeah. I mean, hey, man, I got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. You play it for a while, and you know. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a strong opinion. I think. I think you can ruin either of those. It's kind mm. of a goofy question. I was just kind of. <laughs> I was just like, "What are your opinion on this weird semantic?" I think it's easier. <laughs> it's probably easier to ruin it by changing the music and the pause. Button. Bobby hit me. It. I think it really depends on like what the function of the pause button does. I mean, like a lot of. There are some games where it just goes into just the word that says pause, which is kind of a classic way to do things. But I know the like, The Witcher. The when you 
their pause button is actually just goes into your inventory, something like that. It's like it kind of depends on the function of what the yeah. pause menu is doing, you know. It's like if it's a really involved thing, maybe you want to just like keep the music going, something like that. If it's just a real static, if it's a static image of a of like a word that says pause, our pause you know? button's really practical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, could you just oh not my god. Okay. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Sorry. Sorry to not move on, but no. sometimes it's actually kind of annoying if you pause the game and the music is still blaring. Because sometimes yeah, you want to pause the game, like you want to stop a movie to be like, "What was that? You want to talk to me, or you know, right. you're talking yeah, to somebody, yeah. or mm-hmm. whatever, and you pause it, and it's oh, like." Wow. I would. I want to put this like big obnoxious like thank you in like an argument like yeah, he agrees with me. Thank you for agreeing. Oh, with or like pause screen, <laughs> unpause. <laughs> Bobby, make it happen. There it is. There. Make it happen. I'm gonna do the. Uh, I'm gonna do the, that Captain Dickhead voice. Oh, like, oh, Will from pausing afar. now. Will from afar. Unpausing. <laughs> oh, yeah. There are games like that. <laughs> yeah. Get that. Get that. Will from afar sample. And, uh, yeah. Get, exactly. Make that happen. But yeah. That's uh, okay. So that's the question I had. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, kind of like glad it when I, you go. Glad I drove all the way here to answer. I feel that. like yeah. I feel like I nailed that question. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah. You know what? It's been haunting him for like at least three and a half years now. <laughs> Not years, like three months I ago. Know, I know. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah. You know what's great though is when people put their backs into like main menu music. Like, oh my god, that is, you don't even realize how much. Or credit music. Or credit music, yeah, oh god. I never do that. You ever? <laughs> I'm like, I'm tired, I'm done with this game. I, I don't want to work on it anymore. I didn't, yeah. even pick, I didn't even pick up this game, because it's, it's a, I mean, it's a movie tie-in game. But uh, you ever heard Jeremy Soule's main menu music for the Prisoner of Azkaban movie tie-in game? It is a fucking masterpiece. No, but I'm, listen to I it. would listen to it. I like Jeremy Soule. We're going to link to that. <laughs> Jer- yeah, he no. has a very singular style. Write it down, Stephen. Yeah. No, Jer- no Jeremy Soule's, uh, yeah, no, I mean, obviously he's very talented, but yeah. his you can smell his music from a mile away. Oh, yeah. yeah very, he has a very unique sound. He does. Yeah. Oh, he that's does. a good question for movie tie-in music. I know. Movie tie-in games? Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, are most composers for the for the video, no. they can't no. get the... Com- is it? No. Nope. I can't no, sync that That's out. why, like, there's like eight different Star Wars video game composers. and like eight backup voice actors for the voice actor ones. Get. I can get. I get, yeah. understand that, but I was thinking like the the license, the sync license is way too expensive to. Yeah, that's feature. Yeah, the licensing is probably the that's big probably thing about the that. reason. No, sometimes yeah. they get it. There are some Star Wars games that have John Williams stuff like spliced together. Mm-hmm. The guy who did the music for Empire at War really nailed it for Star Wars, like feeling music. Yeah. Like I yeah. kind of wish they'd used him on the new movies. Whoever that guy was <laughs> did a really good job. I wonder who it was. I know some of the people who've done Star Wars. Yeah, I don't know music. the music, but yeah, uh, I don't know the music for that game. I know, I know, I know they got, they got Tamora Morrison for Boba Fett. <laughs> did you work with <laughs> they, they got him. That Steve, <laughs> Steve Blum's in there too. Steve Bloom, he's in everything. He's man. In, I mean, he's I Steve Buscemi. Steve Bloom. <laughs> Steve Bloom. Yeah, Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Steve, yeah. Steve Blum. Bloom. Bloom. Have you ever worked with him? No. Oh. I know that name. What has he done? Like everything. Spike he was, Spiegel, Cowboy Bebop. Uh, he um, was the main guy in Bullet Storm. Oh yes, yeah, Spike. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he talks. He does like mostly this. background stuff, but like when you hear his voice, you know exactly. Yeah. What stuff he's been. I know a guy who sounds like that. Yeah. Steve, if you're listening to the podcast, come on, <laughs> come on down. <laughs> he can't. He's still on strike. Oh, is he really? Yeah, that's still going on. Oh, shit. Whoops. Sorry. Well, Sorry, union? Steve. We're not making Zach fun after of you. striking against like a lot of the major uh, video game companies for better representation. Oh, SAG after? Yeah, SAG after for their voiceover stuff. Oh. Trying to get um, essentially like royalties and stuff like oh. on the back end because they don't do that right now. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. They don't like do, oh, okay, like they don't do like, uh, what's it called? The word, 
residuals for like uh, no, they don't do residuals for games. Oh. No. That's yeah. like the front. That's like the Wild West right now. Yeah, that's like I know for games, that's like the main issue, and do. that's like the main reason why like the the strike is still happening right now is like they're trying to. They're super adamant about some sort of residual or back-end payment. Okay. I, yeah, I know, I know they, don't do, they don't do performance royalties for games yet, do they? No. No. But they do do mechanicals, right? You can, Or do you have to negotiate? No. Uh, oh, they don't. Holy shit. Congress. No. Write to your congressman. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> man. Pass a bill. I don't know. I don't know if royalties are the right way for that, but for music. I think, I think revenue share back-end, I think, is, makes think more so. sense. Mm-hmm. Well, economically, it makes more sense, right? Yeah. Because the game... It's going to make a certain amount of money. Yeah, mm-hmm. you contribute to the game, so therefore, yeah, have a percentage. I remember their initial concept for it was like I don't remember the exact numbers, but a certain amount of a certain payment after a certain amount of copies are sold up to like eight million, I think. Okay, something up there. Like there is a cap, but like certain blocks of yeah. sale copies sold calls for like a certain amount of. I mean, because if you do if you do a buyout. I mean, it's uh, you do something for a project or whatever, and you get paid a, like a flat rate. I mean, it's it's an opportunity to you could miss out on a lot of a lot of money if you if the game does really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's probably you know happens a lot. Mm-hmm. It happened with the uh, the author for The Witcher. He did a buyout for with CD Projekt Red, Ooh. like not a whole lot of money, and then it that that series slowly built up to be one of the biggest games of all time. And you Jeez. know, kind of lost out on a lot of stuff. Biggest game in Poland for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, they're the Valve of Poland for sure. <laughs> the Valve of Poland. Yeah, that's what we all aspire to be. <laughs> Didn't I say that they were the death clock of Poland? That like the entire, like, oh, the half, entire of their, <laughs> half of their economy is built on CD Project Red sales. <laughs> yeah, you did. You made that joke. <laughs> that's great. Are are uh, uh, compositions now featured on like DLC? Is like a DLC option? Like extra pieces? Not generally. You, um, sometimes there'll be like a DLC package for a game that's, uh, you know, new content for the game. It's like a whole, you know, it's a holistic thing, you know, mm-hmm. a new area of the game with new gameplay, et cetera. And then there'd be new music okay. tied into that. It's rare that you'd get like a DLC with like, oh, we added a bunch of music. Sometimes right. that happens in updates, though. Right. Mm-hmm. Like once I did a game, I did this game Monsters Ate My Birthday Cake. Oh, nice. oh, yeah. And um, I was just kind of behind schedule, and we 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 released the game with like fifteen songs or something, and I was just like I was not happy okay. with that amount of music for the game, and so I was just like I told the developers I was like I want to keep writing music for this until I'm until I'm happy. So I wrote like thirty more tracks, and then we <laughs> pushed them in an update, like really <laughs> nice. kind of discreetly, nice. and then we didn't really tell anybody. And I personally like I didn't really like re- like talk to anybody about the game okay. mm-hmm. until my music was all in there. And I was like, hey, I worked on this game. <laughs> Check it out. Nice. Did you do the same thing with the Guitar Hero franchise? That could be a better leading question. Are you concerned about in, like <laughs> what? Synch- synchronized uh, music from lesser-known acts for exposure? What? Am I concerned for synchronized music? For, for, uh, for like other acts... It's a, it's like a, when they put band a, music a, in yeah. video games. Band, yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like getting forever. replaced. Yeah, for play. Yeah, you know, but like, like no. you know how like they would sacri- like a lot no. of smaller uh, bands would like push for TV synchronization and TV shows. No, oh, I'm not worried about that at all. Okay. I mean, I. I He's like I'm fucking disaster piece, man. <laughs> I like. <laughs> no, I know. Like, I, I, I really like when when creators bring in in games when creators bring in musicians that are not familiar with games mm-hmm. uh-huh. to, to, to work because 
you know, it's, it's like bringing in new voices to the, to the, to the platform. Yeah. You know, there, there, um, there are not that many game composers, like freelance game composers, successful freelance game composers. It's a pretty small, it's a pretty small community of people. And yeah. so, you know, a lot of the same people, you know, you see the same names a lot. So, you know, it's nice when, you know, you see new when faces, fresh faces come out, you see new faces, you see, mm -hmm. you hear new stuff, new styles, new, yeah, new influences. Um, yeah. I think that's great. Um, mm -hmm. but at the same, at the same time, you know, doing music for games, it's a rabbit hole and you can get really deep and really technical and there's a lot to know and there's a lot that people may not know. So, mm -hmm. you know, people who have been in it for a while who do this stuff, you know, their skills are invaluable. Yeah. That's why I'm super excited. And it's sort of a general thing that applies to like all the different aspects of it. That's why I'm super excited for like Sonic Mania to come out next week. Oh yeah. You know I have that? a friend who worked on that. Yeah. So like, do you guys know about Sonic Mania and like no, I, I'm aware the, of it like the making of so it's like what are you getting at though? Like I don't know what you're getting at yeah but like the entire game is was Fanimator. like commissioned by Sega they commissioned like a bunch of fan oh. creators who created like fan hacks and mods oh, for, thank God. for Sonic emulation <laughs> to create like an original Genesis slash Sega Saturn style Sonic game but it's all fan it's all like people who used to make just like fan creations of, of Sonic stuff. Somebody did a, a uh, somebody did a, vi a video on that, right? a really good video. Did you show me that video? Maybe. I think you did. Yeah. Whatever it was. But I mean, like, it's also pretty significant because it also came in the wake of like Nintendo taking down like any and all fan creations of their stuff mm. by fan stuff, like the the Metroid Two remake that the guy made. Yeah. Who's now working? He actually just uh, <laughs> got a job at the company that's making. The Ori sequel, Ori and the Wild oh, Wisps. Sure. You got hired for, by them. I mean, wow, really? to be fair, like Nintendo has a lot to lose and S S Sega has absolutely nothing to lose. <laughs> they've got, they've got <laughs> nothing. They've been not going downhill a for a Sonic while. Game in, like, yeah, ever. Oh god. <laughs> but I mean, it's it, it was it was an interesting interesting coincidence that you know Nintendo is like hammering down on all these different fans yeah. and stuff, and then like Sega comes in and, and embraces it and actually commissions to make an official game. Uh, yeah, coming out and that I'm like. I think I'm it's great. I'm so beyond excited about it. Sonic the Hedgehog was like the very first game I ever played when I was like three years old. So like it has a very special place in my heart and it seems like they've nailed it. Like everything so far, especially the music. Uh, T-Lopes is fucking awesome. <laughs> and his his soundtrack has been on point. Every, sound, every little track that they've released has been like totally Sonic. I'm super excited for it. But yeah, I think it's really cool for like a big company like Sega to commission fans of their stuff yeah. to create a project for them. That's something that they've been passionate I mean, about this whole time. They're, they're, they seem pretty desperate, but I'm glad that they're like open-minded. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's experimental yeah. as hell. I love that though. Yeah. It's yeah. Pretty cool. It's really cool. That's, that's, that's like a huge, like that's kind of taking a big, mm -hmm. you know, big it, risk there. But. I guess Nintendo has been diving into user created content too, but they, they you know, they're more like Mario Apple. They stuff. like to control their. Yeah. yeah they, control they, their they, they make their own thing for people to build stuff in like Mario Maker and stuff like that yeah. as opposed to But that was great. That was like that went super viral. Like that was a great marketing move. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, people were like look at my crazy Mario Maker level, you know. I mean cuz like, cause like Sonic from what I know about that the new Sonic game, it, it was like it was engineered in some like crazy like uh it was it was like um reverse reverse engineered or something using old like Sonic code mm -hmm. or something like that's that's like how they started so the whole yeah they thing started was made i like know they started with like updates and hd remakes of like sonic 2 sonic cd or yeah sonic cd and stuff like that that was like some of their first stuff was getting those onto like mobile or tablets and stuff like that oh okay. yeah they they had to do some crazy tech work to make that happen that's awesome i love that yeah 
That's really cool. Well, yeah, that's 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 really great. How was your beefing experience? <laughs> was it as good for you as it was for us? You what? don't have to answer that. That's an optional question. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just asking. What? He's asking you, how, did you have a good time, basically? Did you have a good time? How was this in? experience for you? Was, this, was yeah. this good? Was this... Was this <laughs> yeah, it was nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. I have no complaints. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> All's well. Oh, God. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, I guess we'd just like to thank you for coming on. And Yeah. And yeah, this, is, yeah. this has been a true honor. Yeah. yeah. It's been a... Yeah. Oh. Great. I mean... I know Ryan and I especially are huge fans of your stuff, so it's You're really a pleasure. Yeah. It's really a pleasure to get to talk to you. It's been really awesome. And I'm trying. I'm treating you like a normal stranger, <laughs> like an I, asshole. I'm just feeding like you. A little little I appreciate that. Right. <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> Jesus, but um, thanks, yo. Woo. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, thank you so much for coming all the way out here and doing this for us, um, and giving us your opinions, which we've been so interested about. We we were hope. We hope like it was interesting for you. You liked the questions and everything. So, yes. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming out. Rich Vreeland um, puts out a lot of music under Disaster Piece, video games, movies, all sorts of goodies. Thank you once again. Over here with Bobby Thayer, sound designer. Thank over you very much for having me. It's been fun. Sound designer over at Obsidian. They make good games. You got to read. Yeah. Knack 3 Half-Life 4 coming out. <laughs> uh, well, to be fair, we, we are doing constant updates for Pillars of Eternity 2. If you guys check out the fig page, I'm sure you can see, keep seeing updates on that. Um, there's no... I don't think there's a hard release date on it yet, but that's yeah. kind of our big thing. We hope you check it out and just uh, keep that keep that, uh, keep that that game alive. PC? It's been going really well. Yeah. PC, yeah. And we've got our glorious founder, Punish Steve, being yeah, the adversary. Yeah. <laughs> being, being I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing today. adversary, and I'm playing. All, I'm 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 playing all the roles today. Well, thank you for your engineering, so. uh, your engineering prowess, and, and getting us all in the machine in the box. So, and I'm Ryan, and I work work on a bunch of shit that no one likes. Have fun <laughs> later. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're gonna end with that. We're gonna end with some insecurities. <laughs>